0: Before it was me creating the concepts, me being responsible for all these great ideas and then I needed to present it to the clients, I need to sell it kind of. But uh, with the design sprint process I have a tool in my hand and also let's say it just opened my mind to not designing for the client but designing with them. So I, uh, as a sudden, I was the one who could enable a team to create concepts themselves. So I'm still a designer, that's clear. So I don't make designers out of the people, but they have the ability to be creative and to solve problems. How do you navigate change? It's a
1: question we think about often and one that today's world expects us to be comfortable with. The challenge, however, is where do you begin and how do you develop the mindset and skill set to be successful? Welcome everyone to the Sprint to Success with Design Thinking podcast. I'm your host, Saba Kidwai. Join me each week as I share the stories and strategies from the world's leading researchers and practitioners about why they believe the answer lies in practicing design thinking. In today's world, the easy part is having access to all the information we need to address challenges, start new businesses, or explore our potential opportunities. The hard part, however, is how to make sense of that information, how to curate it, how to organize it so that we can actually use it to solve the problems we set out to find answers to, to be able to enhance our lives, our communities, and ultimately the world around us. You'll often hear people reference today's world as the attention economy. Think back over the past year as you were navigating your way through ambiguity, from best practices to remote work, to figuring out when the vaccine was available to you. When you needed answers to problems you may not have had to have even thought about before, where did you turn? How did you decide which article to read over another? Did you turn to people online or those you knew in person or perhaps a mix of both. Did you have a criteria you used to determine how you were going to filter information? I can't speak for everyone. However, as I reflect on these questions, and as I think about who I turned to, to learn from, to have questions answered and design, you know, what I wanted life and work to look like moving forward, there were two things that really came to mind. The first one was trust many of the people i turned to for answers were people i had an established relationship with now this didn't have to be in person in fact many of these individuals in fact the majority of them were people i had never even met before they were people that i had been following online for many years perhaps even a couple of months but they were people that i had developed an online relationship with through trust through the ideas that they had been sharing as I had been following them through a variety of different media formats. The second thing that comes to mind was community. Many of us have a presence on social media as a consumer and many of us as creators as well. However, while these general platforms are a great place to decide who to follow, who to trust and who to learn and share with and get sort of like access and exposure to different types of information, Ultimately, a really great creator can take you into a more private space where you can connect with them and others on a deeper level. Building a community is one of the hardest yet most rewarding aspects of today's world. Over the years, I've learned that the best way to give back to a community is to be part of one. And today I'm delighted to introduce you to Sabrina Gerlich from Germany. Sabrina's been in the design industry for over 25 years. She's the founder of Design Sprint Studio, where she focuses on helping companies to innovate with confidence and to enable their teams to establish a collaborative workflow by teaching the Design Sprint process. I've had the pleasure of being a part of Sabrina's Beyond Design Sprint community online, and I'm absolutely fascinated by her gift for bringing people together around shared interests, but I'm also more fascinated by how she's really grown and strengthened this community, especially during 2020. Today, she's joining us to talk about how she's seen design evolve, the role of design sprints in helping companies innovate, and how we can build communities by design. I begin by asking Sabrina to share how her journey in design has evolved over the past 25 years and what design
0: means to her. Maybe you know that in Germany, when we talk about design, this is more the way um, to talk about UI design or more like uh, graphic design, visual communication. And so uh, if I talk about design now, it's more the way to solve problems in a creative way. So more the strategic design which uh, I, I call myself a strategic designer now. And I started to transform, I would say, around four years ago when my, I have three kids. And when my little daughter, when she became, I think around four or five, I get a bit more space to, to think. And I realized what changed. It was like a, a bit of an awakening. Because I was so busy before, I always worked and having kids, let's say you are really occupied with all your senses. So I had a bit more time to to think and to reflect and I wanted to do more, going beyond what I did um, for now and... So I discovered uh, the whole agile world and design sprints. And that changed, let's say, my whole point of view, my whole thinking, and also how I now approach projects. And so I I digged really deep into the design sprint. And actually, from all this, design sprint was the thing where I immediately knew uh, this is my thing. And it was like pieces of puzzle felt to their right space and it made so much sense for me and maybe that's also why I'm so enthusiastic about the process and because it really changed the way I can work the, the way I create impact for my clients because before it was me creating the concepts me being responsible for all these great ideas and then I needed to present it to the clients, I need to sell it kind of. But uh, with the design sprint process, I'm, I have a tool in my hand. And also, let's say it just opened my mind to not designing for the client, but designing with them. So I, uh, as a sudden, I was the one who could enable a team to create concepts themselves. So I'm still a designer. That's clear. So I don't make designers out of the people, but they have the ability to be creative and to solve problems. Also, uh, a lot of people just in the beginning say, oh, I'm not creative. I cannot do that. But that's really powerful. I now with this tool and with this mindset, I have the the ability and the power to change their, let's say, way of working, at least for a short amount of time. And maybe if I'm lucky and they as well, it is sustainable and it, let's say it uh, stays a bit longer, or maybe it also changed their way to work.
1: I love how Sabrina shares that through strategic design, the focus shifted from her being the focal point, the one who is creating the ideas and selling them, to her being the facilitator who is empowering teams to generate ideas and empowering them as problem finders and problem solvers. This is a radically important shift as today's world expects that we are all able to have the skill set and mindset of a design thinker. A quick look at the World Economic Forum's Trending Skills for 2025, and you'll see that at the top of the list are things like analytical thinking and innovation, active learning, complex problem solving, critical thinking and analysis, creativity, originality, and initiative. These are all no longer luxury skill sets, but necessary ones that we must all possess. Sabrina attributes the shift from her being the focal point to empowering others to be able to gain these skills to practicing the design sprint. She said it changes the way in which she works and how it's helping her change the way others work as well. I asked Sabrina to describe the design sprint process in more detail. And one of the things that I think you'll really appreciate is how she makes the language so relatable for anyone and everyone.
0: is a process, is a framework where I gather a team. So you, you have to imagine a company or let's say an existing team. This is the, the use case, the normal use case. So you have a team and they uh, are working on, let's say, a product or they need innovation. And I gather a team, uh, let's say seven, eight people, and uh, then we go through different stages, like understanding the problem, the challenge, um, designing a solution. So each of them designs a solution and we decide on which solution should be tested. And then we create a prototype, but a high fidelity prototype. So something that the next day, the user will think this is real and uh, give you the feedback, so validates the idea. So actually, we create something, not not just wireframes and we let uh, people interpret um, the the wireframes, but we create something that um, shows the concept in a way that it seems real. So we want to um, travel into the future where this product already exists. We want to show that to the user and just get the feedback. Does that really um, Solves a problem. And it's also that we, in the beginning, we ask some critical questions. So, what can happen that this project fails, concept fails? And these questions we want to get answered by the user in the end of the week. So, actually, then we know, so we don't have a product, we don't have an MEP, but we know if we are on the right path. And that helps a team to, um, for example, to really be bold with new ideas, with innovation, where they normally maybe uh, would have the fear to fail and would maybe uh, go more on the, on the secure path, but they have the possibility to really be bold and to task also risky ideas, because um, what can happen, it can be um, not validated, but then this is a good, ex- uh, good result for a design sprint because you know, the concept you created is not the right one. So you don't invest time and money and resources to develop it. So that's, that's let's say uh, a starter. So when you think of, we want to put rockets into the, into the universe, we enable a team to make everything uh, ready to really start this rocket. And that's, let's say the the initial part and they know in which direction they, they need to go. I'm sure
1: we can all remember a time where we spent money and resources on a solution that just wasn't effective. Oftentimes, it's because we haven't always asked the right questions to ensure that we're even solving the right problem. Sabrina shared how the design sprint process eliminates that from happening by examining, creating, and testing a high-fidelity prototype within five days to see if it yields the desired outcomes to determine whether or not this idea or decision is even worth investing more time and resources into. Sabrina also highlights a key challenge that many teams do not see themselves as creative, or that many teams don't feel creative. I asked Sabrina how she helps people rediscover their creativity.
0: Let's say there's the possibility that this is also done by digital agencies. A lot of digital agencies use that for their process. So if they create um, digital products, uh, it's a now, I think, a quite common way to um, start with a project. But if you um, go into companies, let's say, normal bigger organizations, and you talk to people or you you, uh, take the people in the team, um, they normally are, let's say, project managers or they are um, cont- in controlling, lead of controlling or lead of uh, sales and acquisition or a CEO. They normally are not used to work in that way. So to create ideas and to sketch something and to really st- go deep. And I think that's the the biggest thing in a, in a design spin that you focus for a longer time period on one topic. I think you know that maybe if you are doing 10 different things um, during a day, you don't have that result. Then if you maybe have only two things, then you can go deeper and going deeper creates also sparks more ideas. And then if you also have, let's say other perspectives that is so, um, empowering and also inspiring. And there are, let's say, for this creative phase, we have also um, possibilities like lighting demos, for example, where you get inspired from uh, already existing examples. So it's not that all of them need to be able to draw. They can also write or just uh, make a frame or make a, a circle. You know, it can be very easy. So. They get in the mood of, okay, I'm able to do that. So, yeah, but, but I think it's it's totally uh, normal that they think they are not creative because they are never creative in that way because they always are working, let's say, in their normal uh, way of how, how it's done always.
1: Once again, Sabrina highlights the changing nature of work. If we're going to design better ways of working and living, we need to change the ways in which we work. I particularly appreciate how Sabrina highlights the importance of bringing diverse voices to the table as we design solutions. She talks specifically about lightning demos, I want to take a moment here to elaborate on what a lightning demo is, as I have found these to be such a valuable part of the design sprint experience that isn't always integrated when we do simply design thinking and we're, you know, quote unquote, jumping through the hexagons. Lightning demos are about collecting and synthesizing existing ideas so that you can remix and improve upon them. It's also an opportunity to allow for everyone's voices to be heard. I'm going to share a story from the sprint book. It's one of Melitta Benz, a German entrepreneur who invented the paper coffee filter. She said that great ideas were built on existing ideas repurposed with vision. Coffee filters, she said, had been tried before. They were made of cloth. And the blotting paper, well, it was just sitting there, she said. Lightning demos are about following Benz's example. During a lightning demo, each member of the team will have three minutes to share their favorite solutions from other products. The goal here is not to focus on your competitor, but rather to look outside your industry for inspiration. In the book, they share the example of Blue Bottle Coffee. Blue Bottle, they said, wanted to help customers find a coffee they loved. But coffee beans all look the same. Their inspiration during the lightning demos didn't come from a coffee competitor but it came rather from a chocolate bar company that one team member shared. They said this chocolate company had wrappers that used six words to describe the chocolate. They remixed that idea at Blue Bottle and used simple words to describe how different coffee beans tasted as a way to allow the customers to understand better what the different coffee beans would be like. Oftentimes, when hearing about the design sprint and all of these different exercises, the idea of being able to accomplish so much within five days definitely sparks one's curiosity and might even make one suspicious. I asked Sabrina to share what conditions should be in place to have a successful five-day design sprint.
0: It's possible, it's proved already thousands of times. Um, so one week is a time frame where you where you can really create something valuable that creates impact. So not just a, a quick sketch, not a, a fast concept, but something meaningful. And it's a very important that you have different perspectives there. So if you take five designers in the room, this is not the right, Um, set up for a design sprint you need to have really the different perspectives and everyone has a value and each idea and perspective is appreciated as well and it's valued as well because it's important for the project you also need to have the user perspective so you, you start in the beginning also, you can get experts. So it's important that you get as much valuable information into the team. So either you have that already in the team because you are from all the different areas, you get experts, you get, let's say, a short summary of the user research uh, into that. So it's important that the user point of view is already there. And um, so, in the end, you will have um, user-centric. Um, how can I say? Um, a user, user centered but also a business-centered. Uh, it's it's kind of a mix of both because you will get this kind of um, of solution when you have the the business team uh, together. They will create a solution. They are able to also to realize, to develop. And uh, you always have the user as, let's say, a persona or uh, the user, you're building something for your user and the user, by the way, that can be an end user, but that can be also a colleague. This can be a B2B client. This can be a supplier. So that can be anyone. It's just the person who in the end will, need to interact with this concept, product, service, whatever. You can also um, create a process. You can also improve a process. So it's not only for digital products, but that's the main area where uh, the design sprint is located right now.
1: If you've been listening to our past few episodes you'll hear that one of the foundational elements for a successful design sprint is the facilitator and the research and preparation that they've done ahead of time this is one of the many benefits of teaming together with a sprint facilitator it allows the team time and space to fully engage in their challenge and with one another i love how sabrina shares that while design sprints predominantly exist in the product development space they can be used to design strategy and processes as well. It's actually what sparked my curiosity when I first came across the design sprint. Every day in education, I work with schools solving very complex challenges. And with modifications to the sprint process, I've seen it be one of the most effective frameworks for turning overwhelming challenges into exciting opportunities, bringing together teams to reinvent education. As is often the case, making the time and space for these conversations is not always something we prioritize. Sabrina reminds me of a line that Dr. Wanda Austin shares in her book, Strategic Leadership in a Complex World. In it, she says, leadership is not accidental. You have to make the time and space with your team to be strategic in this complex and global world that we live in today. As I mentioned earlier, Sabrina has a thriving community where she makes the time and space for people to come together, to have meaningful conversations, and strengthen their skill set around Design Sprints. I asked Sabrina what community means to her and to tell us about the community that she's been building.
0: People who are interested in learning about the Design Sprint are interested but they don't know anything about it they have a bit of a knowledge people who are experts and want to um, exchange with other experts so the community is is really rich we have a small community but it's globally and I started for sure here in Stuttgart because I realized that um, my enthusiasm in the beginning, where I thought everyone would now work with the Design Spend, was not really true. So um, I, I realized that not everyone will, um, knows about the Design Spend. And so I thought I need to educate people. I need to talk about it, spread the word. And that's where I created, I would say two and a half years ago, I, I started the community on Meetup. And I started doing that on a local level. So I went to companies, to uh, nice spaces in Stuttgart, uh, also to our space. And we did different uh, meetups very regularly. So once uh, a month. And now it became uh, global. So I would say in the beginning, it was my enthusiasm for the topic that I wanted also to share my knowledge with others and I wanted to to talk about it and to share experiences, meet other design sprinters. So that was the intention in the beginning. And then I realized that I enjoy and I get energy out of that exchange and also to connect people. I, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And then now when we move to remote, for sure now we everything is remote then uh, i grew the community now to i would say 1500 and we are also part of the google design sprint chapter um, where we have i think around 20 25 chapters around the world and so we are part of something bigger on one hand side but also the community itself grow so that's that's really nice and the next step for me was because i realized i i have this community not only in meetup meetup doesn't work so well uh, right now i think so this is like a one way communication you can announce an event people come to the event and i think you know now with zoom you see everyone but you have not a real communication and conversation and you have like 50 people or more um, on screen. So my idea was also to, to communicate. And I have a lot of people on LinkedIn. I created a LinkedIn group. I created a Facebook, a German Facebook group. I, uh, so I had so many different channels and I realized it's so distracting and um, that costs a lot of energy that I now started to do that uh, on Mighty Network. So I created, let's say, a new community where I now have the possibility to interact more, but also to enable the people to interact uh, in between each other. So to, let's say, to connect them, um, to, to give them certain topics, to ask, let's say, about uh, specific um, problems. And so we have a, a much richer communication and that's I think my goal to really improve that uh, community and we are doing uh, the meetups now on airmeet which enables also a better interaction communication also and more networking elements and that's really nice so that's that's my actual status right now.
1: Sabrina reminds me of Derek Sivers, what's obvious to you isn't always obvious to others. It's obvious from listening to Sabrina that she's deeply driven by sharing and helping others learn about design sprints and the impact they can have. This intrinsic motivation to help others is a critical aspect of growing a community. She wanted people to interact not just with her, but with one another as well on a deeper level. I asked Sabrina what three lessons we should consider when designing our own communities.
0: So I think uh, the first the first lesson is you need to be willing to put in the effort intrinsically. And you need to, to be um, motivated intrinsically because it's effort it's really it takes energy so you you should make uh, clear for yourself if hosting a community and creating a community and interact with them gives you energy if it doesn't create energy for yourself you shouldn't do it uh, because then it, it just um it, it will it will drain your energy and and it cannot last on the, it cannot be a sustainable um, way for you to to interact with the community. So I think this is, these are two things. And then I think you should also uh, be very focused on the topic. So what I realized is that if you interact with the community and you, because I'm very specific about the design spin, but still in the design spin, there are also uh, different facets of, Yeah, it's about facilitation, then you have different ways to run a design spin. So you have all these different kinds of topics and I think you should be uh, very specific. The, the more niche you are, the better it works. Because what I like is the interaction. So I don't like just to make um, meetups and talk there and, and invite speakers and that's it but i really want to interact with the people so i also want to listen to them so that's just interesting and, it, and i it creates energy for me so that's the way i would say it it works well to start a community
1: Sabrina shares three valuable lessons for us to consider when designing communities. One, you must be intrinsically motivated. Two, creating a community is not easy, she says. It requires a lot of effort, and as a result, the journey should energize you. And number three, it's important to focus, she says, on a topic that you can go deep with to allow for more meaningful discussions and interactions that in turn will help build deeper relationships. I imagine anyone who started a community will resonate with Sabrina's lessons. There is so much information that we hear on topics that one of my favorite questions to ask guests is what do they often hear that they don't agree with and why? So I asked Sabrina, when it comes to building thriving communities, what is one piece of advice that we often hear that she
0: doesn't really believe in? What I heard a lot is that you should monetize a community, and I think uh, this is something I wouldn't do. So I, so I have my course, and for sure, also Mike, I, um, I mentioned that here and there, uh, or I have it on my board that I have this course, but it's not that I use that as a sales. Event. So I think it should be very clear when you are there in the community, you give, you are there to give. And if you sell, you sell. So this should be separate. And I think you should enjoy the community and working with the community and just uh, love to interact with the people. So see the people there and I know all these people, Um, not everyone, but I know a lot of them, just maybe from uh, an image, from the video, from the name. But I think you should be interested and um, also empathic about uh, what they care for.
1: What I love about this question and why I ask it is because it lets you know that you don't have to agree with everything that people say. When designing anything, we should always lean into what our needs are, what the needs of those we're designing for are, and if it differs from the norm, then to know that that is completely okay. As Sabrina shares, while many believe that the ultimate goal of a community is to find ways to monetize, she doesn't necessarily agree. This past summer, Sabrina extended her passion for Design Sprints by creating a community for teenagers to learn the mindset and skill set to thrive in today's world. She says they don't often teach these skills in school. I asked Sabrina to share more about this event and the skills she believes young people should enhance and develop.
0: I can tell you that uh, we also continue, so we are still doing that and we are just launching in March our next series of workshops for, for the kids, for the teenagers. So we created with the Design Sprint a program for teenagers and it wasn't about the uh, the framework, it wasn't about the Design Sprint, it was just the way we, we created that We wanted to give them um, a platform to unlock their creative potential, to show them how they are able to act now. They don't have to wait until they are, let's say adult or finished studies, university or whatever, but they are right now, they are able to create impact, to work on their vision, on their ideas, uh, they should be just empowered to believe in themselves. So that was uh, our idea because we have kids. And um, so I, I told you already about my uh, daughter, but I have two sons. They are 15 and 19 and they never learned anything about, let's say, design uh, thinking or solving problems, something like that in in a creative way in school, never. And it's also not taught in university, maybe some, somewhere, yes, but in general not. So we thought uh, they should know about how we uh, we work because we are so enthusiastic about uh, the impact we can create for people, especially in the talent sprint. So that was also the inspiration that we said, we should also enable young people to experience that joy, that that. Uh, let's say, that freedom, that uh, uh, inspiration and, and feeling this power. And so we just decided to create this two-week program. And what we did there um, was also we had activists that were, uh, let's say, people who are experts in AI or experts in in some um eco projects like uh, cleaning the ocean so that was our overall topic cleaning the ocean reduce pollution that were the the topics and we had also skill sessions from adobe so they had let's say they went through this process of these two weeks with uh, knowing about uh, the challenge we have with this pollution and the polluted uh, ocean What are possibilities to do? And we just enabled them with some uh, exercises. So they they didn't realize what we are doing, they just followed us uh, through this process. And they created lots of wonderful ideas. And in the end, they had, let's say, these skill sessions. How do you use Adobe Rush, for example? How can you use Adobe XD? And they just created some really nice uh, projects. And it's incredible how able, how mature they are reflecting. That was impressive uh, to see. And we had also like these motivational, uh, um, two motivational speakers. And that was just—I uh, get goosebumps right now because that was really heartwarming and impressive to see how they reacted and how it's—it's it's just if—if if it would be us, but let's say a bit more fragile, a bit more naive, but also more fresh, you know—it's—it was just wonderful to see how they reflect. It's. It's like, uh, let's say, we adults when we have um, went went through um, a design thinking workshop and we uh, we see, okay, we can rely on each other, we can build trust, we can be open, we can be vulnerable. So that was just like they are wonderful. important for them to have the, a critical thinking and um, also the, um, let's say, the, the creativity and the, the collaboration. Um, yeah, it's, it's already more than three. I would say critical thinking is very important. And also to be able to collaborate and be authentic. Right uh, today we had an interview with a talent sprint with uh, Chen Set, a very young person um who is um, creates media brands, the so social media brands. And she she's also a musician, and she told us that um this young generation also want to be heard and uh, she gave an advice and I would like to just share that with you because we asked her what would you um, tell companies to, um, who wants to hire or who wants to work with this young generation and she said they should listen. They should really truly listen. <laughs> Actively listen. <laughs> that was really nice. I love how Sabrina
1: emphasizes this wasn't about sharing a framework. It was about giving teenagers a platform for unlocking in their creativity and showing them how they can leverage the resources around them to impact change. At a time where social emotional learning has become such a trending topic, design thinking experiences really give young people the confidence to know that they can design solutions to their challenges, that they're not helpless in their situations. I often talk about how the design thinking mindsets of empathy, comfort with ambiguity, learning from failure, optimism, and more, help develop deeper levels of self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and more of the social-emotional skills we know are important for our young people to learn. Design thinking experiences also amplify the skills that Sabrina shares, such as critical thinking, creativity, and collaboration. My conversation with Sabrina reminds me of one of my favorite definitions of leadership that I share often by David Knotgrass. He says transformational leaders are those who encourage creativity, recognize accomplishments, build trust, and inspire a collective vision. They're role models for the beliefs and values they want to see others adopt, and they believe that their audience is able to rise to the occasion. Sabrina reminds me of what it truly means to be a transformational leader and I hope she inspires all of you to step up as ones as well in your communities, bringing people together to learn and share as together we navigate change hand in hand. It's your turn to join the conversation by sharing what you enjoyed or what questions you still have. In a world where time and attention are so valuable, thank you for choosing to listen and for being a part of our Sprint to Success with Design Thinking community.